Hello and welcome to episode 372 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Evan Silva and fantasy football season is officially here. I know this because Silva has released his first top 150 rankings of 2022 and our fantasy football draft kit is live on the site. Almost, almost makes you feel happy to be alive. Evan, how's it going? Pretty good. I could be happier though, because uh, it went from about four months of 45 degrees and rainy here where I live to all of a sudden 90 degrees. Uh, like there's no 60 degrees for a week. No, no easy, no softening it in, you know, 90 degrees and my AC went out day oh, no. two. <laughs> heat wave. So if you see me sweating, that's because I am sweating and um, I'm taking the kid to Wisconsin Dells for the weekend. We need to get the hell out of here. Uh, Evan's a big sweater in the first place. You do not need <laughs> no air conditioning in 90 degree weather. That's for sure. On today's show, we're going to talk about Silva's first top 150. Obviously, Silva's 150 and all of our rankings are updated all summer as news breaks and we continue our research process. I cannot stress enough how seriously we take trying to keep these rankings in a good place as we approach the season. They're the basis for all of our own drafts, best ball, season-long player props, et cetera. Everything that we do comes from the projections and the rankings. Heads up on the draft kit this year. Again, it is up on the site. We have two versions for the first time in the history, in the glorious history of established run. We have two versions of the draft kit this year. The first one is $29.00. And 99 cents, aka Silva pinned me down and made it way too cheap. But, anyways, $29.99 covers season long drafts only, which is basically everything you need for home leagues. So, Silva's top 150, rankings for redraft style leagues, et cetera. That's $29.99. The pro version of the draft kit this year is $49.99. And that's everything in the regular draft kit plus season long props, dynasty, best ball, rest of season top 150 rankings in during the season, and more. Also, we worked out a deal with Underdog Fantasy, who has a $10 million, just absurd best ball tournament this season, $25 buy-in. Anyone who gets our draft kit pro, I repeat, if you get the pro version, whether you have an Underdog account or not, you'll get a free $10 in your account. If you're not on Underdog yet, use promo code ETR when you sign up, and they'll give you a matching deposit bonus up to $100. Take their money, use our rankings. Really is a ton of fun. And honestly, like Evan and I were talking before the show, you know, Evan didn't used to do top 150s here on May 13th. Like nobody was drafting then. Underdog has honestly changed like a ton of the way the offseason goes because it, there is massive action. And you guys know me. I don't really like to talk in in um, kind of uh, uh, abstracts. I like to be able to take the information and bet on it. Like I'm not that interested in the NFL draft unless I can actually bet it. Much like I'm not too interested in drafting in May unless I can actually put it into play. And with Underdog, you can put it into play. So it's really changed a ton, Evan. Talk to the people about making a top 150 in May before mm-hmm. we get into some players here. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I've always made a top 150 in May. It's just, it wasn't necessarily supposed to be super actionable because no one was really drafting in May when I started doing this 12, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. But the crux of the top 150 it's all built on how I how I view players versus consensus or how we view players versus consensus consensus. And we hash this out on shows. We hash this out when we do our own drafts. We hash this out based on ADP 
And at the end of the day, I want to steer our audience toward players that we support at ETR and away from players that we're more skeptical of. But we still want to be open to drafting players that we're skeptical of because if they fall to a certain spot in a draft where we consider them a value, then you know we should be willing to take them. Yeah. And we know we're not going to get everything right. We, ha- we have to be humble in our process and be willing to take players that we're skeptical of, but probably only if they fall a round or two past their ADP. So we're not you know, discluding players that we don't like from the top 150. Like they're still in the top 150. They're just ranked a little bit lower than consensus. And then players that we like are going to be ranked higher than consensus. And this way, you know, I think that we can have a streamlined process when we're making our draft selections. Yeah, for sure. And and we're going to go through some players here that Evan is initially looks to be higher or lower on than the market. I think a big thing going forward here will just be doing drafts. Like when you're on the clock and you have to decide between two guys. Absolutely. That can make a big difference in where certainly Silva's top 150 will go. But I do think that it's interesting. I pulled out about 15 names here that I thought were interesting of where Silva's at. Versus where, versus where underdog ADP is currently at. And we're going to talk through some of those, maybe make Silva reconsider, uh, but nevertheless, I think some interesting spots. And I want to start with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is currently going 25th, roughly 25th on ADP. Silva has Aaron Jones eighth. Now, last year I was super high on Aaron Jones. I want to be very high on Aaron Jones again. The big thing obviously going on with Aaron Jones is not A.J. Dillon. Everybody knows what's going on with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon's going to play a ton. To me, the big thing on Aaron Jones is splits without Devontae Adams. You can see a huge pass-catching ceiling for Aaron Jones, like a Kamara-esque pass-catching ceiling. Mm-hmm. Even with Devontae last year, Aaron Jones caught 3.8 balls per game, and that was with Devontae Adams averaging 10.5 targets per game. Now, obviously, they're a mess at wide receiver. I want to see Aaron Jones catch four, five balls a game, and he could pay it off in, the, in round two or so. Sylvia, you have him eighth. Talk to people about Aaron Jones. Yeah, so I'm really, really high on him. And I'm probably just going to move him down eventually a little bit because because his ADP is so much lower. Although I think that his ADP is going to rise as the process continues. So I I don't know. But I I think that he's probably going to end up more maybe at the top of the second round as opposed to smack dab, almost smack dab in the middle of the first round here at eighth overall. I think that the Packers offense might run – through Aaron Jones at a lot of points of this uh, of this upcoming season. You have to remember also that Aaron Rodgers believes so much in trust, uh, in, in, in confidence in the players with whom he has an established rapport, and that's Aaron Jones. You know, Alan Lazard is kind of a hot player right now, I know, on underdog. A.J. Dillon's going to have a role. Randall Cobb's going to have a role. Maybe Christian Watson can jump in over the course of the season, carve out a significant role. But by far, Aaron Jones – is you know the man when it comes to trust with Aaron Rodgers, and he's so good in the passing game. We've compared him to Alvin Kamara. He just didn't get that pass volume. I think he can get closer to that 80 catch range this year. We know he's a really good runner. We know they love to feature him in scoring position. I love being ahead of ADP on Aaron Jones, and I'm going to make sure that we are. It's just going to be a matter of how how much earlier, because right now we're kind of like outrageously – or I'm, I'm outrageously higher uh, uh, than, than consensus uh, on Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon played 42% of the snaps last season. I think we could get A.J. Dillon closer to 50% of the snaps, but really all the value from Aaron Jones is going to come in pass game 
and touchdowns, Evan said, you do have AJ Dillon 73rd overall. His ADP is 75 right now. Like AJ Dillon, again, I took AJ Dillon so much last year. Standalone value plus when Aaron Jones goes down, just absolute rocket ship for AJ Dillon. You have to pay a little bit more this year than you did last year for AJ Dillon, but I still think that he's very much in play there in that 75 overall range. Speaking of Packers situations and the Devontae Adams stuff, Devontae Adams, despite going to the Raiders, is still going 9.7. His ADP on underdog is 9.7, Devontae Adams. Silva, you have him 17th. You know, I, I think I know what you're going to say here. And, and uh, you know, my take is that can you define the chemistry, the trust that Aaron Rodgers had with Devontae Adams and extrapolate that to Derek Carr? I think that's dangerous. And they have Waller, they have Renfro, they have more target competition. So I, I like being lower than consensus on Devontae Adams. You're significantly mm-hmm. lower than consensus mm-hmm. on Devad- Devontae Adams. Go ahead on that. Yeah, I mean, you can sort of tie this into where I am on, you know, Renfro and Waller because I'm ahead of consensus on Waller, ahead of consensus on Renfro, below consensus on Devontae Adams. Look, I know that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr played at Fresno State, and that's yeah. that's really, really nice, but that was a decade ago. Um, I mean, I think that Devontae Adams is going to jump right in and play really well, but I think that that's going to be like second round in fantasy well and not top 10 in fantasy well. And right now, you got to take him in the top 10 to get him on underdog. Um, you know, I'll take the discounts that we're getting on Hunter Renfro. I think he's a really good player. I know he's kind of been the butt of jokes at, at times. You know, he's like bald. He looks like awesome you know, and, and, and all this. You know, he looks like um, uh, Caruso on the Bulls, you know, and, and he came out. He was kind of old. But, man, he's a really good route runner. He has, you know, a ton of trust with Derek Carr. And I don't think he's going to fade away in the offense. Um, Darren Waller has a ton of talent. And I don't think he's going to fade away in the offense. And I think that Devontae Adams is going to have a good season, but just a second-round caliber fantasy season. And so that's – I actually kind of like where, I am, where yeah. I'm at on all three of these guys. I might move da- I might move Darren Waller down a little bit. So I, I totally agree on Devontae Adams. And when I say chemistry, I don't just mean like – you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers trusted Devontae Adams a ton. I think Carr trusts Devontae Adams a ton. Quality of quarterback play, efficiency of targets, you know, it, when you go from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, I think it's something. I, I think I'm lower than Evan on Hunter Renfro. I, I get all the bull case for Hunter Renfro. I mean, his eight out was 6.7 yards last year. That was 88th among 94 qualifying wide receivers. You need a lot well, that's of That's what Derek Carr likes to throw the ball, though. I yeah, mean- and I mean, you need a ton of volume. When you have an eight out that low, you need a ton of volume to pay it off. I just think with Devonta Adams, there maybe the volume won't be what people think on Hunter Renfro, and that could be a problem. But yeah, I mean that is certainly where Derek Carr likes to throw the ball for sure. Go to uh, CD Lamb. So CD Lamb on underdog uh, ADP around 14th overall. Silva, you have him 22nd. I think people are excited about CD Lamb with Amari Cooper gone. Michael Gallup is coming off the ACL tear. I mean, you can see this team with the offensive line and the way the run game is now with Zeke kind of falling off a cliff that they're not as dedicated to the run. You can make a real bull case for CeeDee Lamb. He had some really good spots last year, really good spots and underperformed. And so that gives me some pause. What do you think about CeeDee Lamb? You are about eight spots below right now on him. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're probably just going to end up being even, around even uh, with regard to consensus on uh, CeeDee Lamb. That's going to be my goal because – he was somewhat disappointing last year. I like him better in the slot, and I want to see like some reports that 
we're going to see him play a ton in the slot because I think that he doesn't win as consistently on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. And they wound up playing him on the perimeter more than I think we anticipated last year. So he's kind of like a, a moving part right now. But I think my goal eventually, and I'm, I'm going to tweak the heck out of this thing as the people that have been following the, the update log for the last couple of years. No, I'm going to tweak the heck out of this thing, um, you know, on, you know, throughout draft season. I, I think we're just going to end up being even with ADP on CD Lamb. Yeah, uh, for those that don't know what Evan's referring to, part of the draft kit is a, a running change log of every time Evan makes a change in the top 150. He kind of does a little one, two, three line explanation on why he made the change and who got moved. And so that'll be up in the draft kit in the coming weeks here. And yeah, you know, uh, CeeDee Lamb, God, I mean, you can project a massive, massive, massive amount of targets for CeeDee Lamb, particularly if Michael Gallup's ACL tear rehab doesn't go uh, as expected where he's ready for week one. Next one really shocks me, man. Uh, underdog on underdog, it's very wide receiver heavy. Like people like to draft uh, wide receiver heavy teams on underdog because of the format and and other reasons that uh, Leone and Herzig and all the best ball versions have gotten into. So I was shocked that Terry McLaurin's ADP was fifty and a half. I mean, just like close your eyes and bet on talent. I would think that Terry McLaurin is like a mm-hmm. third round pick, at worst, you know, uh, a late third, early fourth round pick. So you have him. 24th overall right now obviously he's getting the quarterback change to Carson Wentz what do you think about how McLaurin fits with Wentz and anything else on McLaurin and the Washington football team aka the commanders yeah this one kind of shocked me too because you know I'm I'm no fan of Carson Wentz you know as like as a real life quarterback but I think that he can definitely feed the ball to you know a big time receiver like Terry McLaurin Mm -hmm. and Terry McLaurin can win with separation he can win contested. He's a really, really good player. And I think that Carson Wentz, although, again, not a big fan of him as a real-life quarterback, big upgrade on – I want to say a significant upgrade, a meaningful upgrade on Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Um, Jahan Dotson, you know, and I, I feel like I've been higher than consensus on him when when we're doing this rookie draft stuff. And, you know, these guys who are, you know, running the uh, – the, the ADP over there, pushing the ADP over Zed and all these guys, you know, they're in the, um, the, the I don't want to get into it. We'll get into it. But, you know, Leone and, you know, all these guys pushing the ADP around on underdog, they don't like Jahan Dotson. So, you know, I, what, what's the effect there? Is, is that the effect that people are worried about the 16th overall pick? I, I tend to think not because those guys tend to not like Jahan Dotson because from a metric standpoint, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't check all the boxes that they're looking for. So I just I, there's some confusion here as to why Terry McLaurin is so low. Yeah. I'm with you. He, I think he should be at least a locked third round pick. I have him number 24. Technically, that means that he would be a fringe second third rounder, yeah. and I feel pretty good about that. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll move him down a little bit just because his ADP is so low. But I I like being ahead on Terry McLaurin. He's a baller. I think people still like Curtis Samuel. They're not ready to kill off Curtis really? Samuel yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that people like Jahan Dotson. I mean, Jahan I Dotson. I don't know if Ron Rivera likes Curtis Samuel. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, uh, he brought him to Washington after the Carolina days. I think, yeah. you know, can't trust him after last year, I think is fair. Uh, ADP on Jahan Dotson right now is 145 overall. Evan has him mm-hmm. 120th overall on mm-hmm. Jahan Dotson. So, yeah, I mean, certainly what you think about Logan Thomas Curtis Samuel mm-hmm. and John Dotson is going to play mm-hmm. the McLaurin thing. I, to me, Terry McLaurin is just like, close your eyes, bet on talent. Very, very good player. Would love to have him 
late third, early fourth at the absolute worst. And it sounds like you can get him there right now. Um, Miles Sanders. This might be the biggest discrepancy that uh, we had here. Miles Sanders is going 86th overall on underdog. Evan, you have him 41st. They didn't really do anything different. No. Uh, the Eagles did at running back. They still have Kenny Gainwell. They still have Boston Scott. Jordan Howard is a free agent still, I believe. So they could bring him back in theory. I mean, last year was a disaster for Miles Sanders from so many perspectives. The biggest one is that when they got into the red zone, like, uh, let me, uh, uh, only 10 carries from inside the 10 for Miles Sanders last year. Jordan Howard had 14, Boston Scott had 16, and Jalen Hurts had 22. If that's going to be the case, man, it's hard to score touchdowns. And at the running back position, it's hard to have big fantasy years without scoring touchdowns. Obviously, Miles Sanders isn't going to score zero again, but man, that's kind of scary to me. Go ahead on you being higher, much higher than market on Miles Sanders right now. Well, they have a badass offensive line that got better in the offseason. They got better offensively in the offseason by going and getting A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith is entering year two. This, I think Miles Sanders is the locked-in lead back in an offense where the arrow is like screaming upward. And he had bad touchdown luck last year. Um, he didn't get the opportunities inside the scoring position, uh, you know, as many as he probably should have. I, I think he's going to get a bunch more this year. I mean, I think that's a pretty good bet with no Jordan Howard there. Kenneth Gainwell is a little bit of a concern, but, I mean, they were willing to give La- Miles Sanders last year opportunities to be the every down back. Kenneth Gainwell kind of fell in and out of favor. Um, Boston Scott, I think we kind of know what he is. Them adding at all the other positions, and I think their defense is going to be good too for, for positive game script. I mean, I think the Eagles might be pretty good this year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and being in that situation, I, I I think that he's a screaming, screaming buy. I know that Leone is big on being above uh, consensus on Miles Sanders. This is um, where, where I have um, 40 spots ahead of consensus. This might not last just because, I mean, we have to be, you know, we, we have to bet with our brains here. But I, I we're, we're going to be above consensus on him. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, 80, 86 ADP is ridiculous on Miles Sanders. Uh, I think my concern is when I draft running backs, I am looking for touchdowns and catches. And last year, you know, Miles Sanders lost a ton of red zone work and he barely was targeted in the past game. I think something like right. 2.8 targets per game last year for Miles Sanders. So those are concerns. But yeah, I mean, you know, sixth, seventh round on Miles Sanders is really, really late for a guy of his talent in this offense for sure. Speaking of talent, Brandon Cooks, man, you know, um, small guy on the Texans with shaky quarterback play. I was probably too low on him last year. But if you look at what Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton did last year, and by the way, Pep, Pep, Pep Hamilton, I thought, deserved a chance at his uh, head coaching job. Didn't get it, so he's back as the offensive coordinator for the Texans. I mean, Brandon Cooks caught 90 balls last year, and Davis Mills looked like he could legit play. Underdog ADP on Brandon Cooks right now is 66.2. Silva has him 44th overall, you know, Small aging receivers on the Texans kind of give me pause, but I get it on Brandon Cooks. What do you think about him? Well, we were, I, I had him way above ADP last year in the 150. And I, yeah. and I, I, every, and I would think about moving him all the time because I knew that I was way ahead of ADP on him. And just, I, I was like, this dude is the clear cut number one. I know that the quarterback's uh, situation is shaky. I was worried about, you know, the, almost the entirety of the organization last year, but I just wound up really never moving him very much because he had such a great path to uh, volume and like big play potential. We know that he can make big plays. 
And so it's the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going right back to the well here because he had an awesome year and he was such a steal. And I mean, I, I think he can still play. I don't, what is he? 28. And, and I think the arrow is moving up on, um, on Davis Mills as well. I mean, I think Davis Mills has got a shot to be a competent NFL quarterback. Um, and they, the most that they added besides him was John Mechie. And he's coming off a torn ACL and he's a 5'11, 187 pound possession receiver. So, and he might not be ready for the start of the season. So, I'm going right back to it with Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is 28. He'll be 29 in uh, September, actually, the 25th day after my birthday. But yeah, he's certainly not old, but, you know, he's starting to get there. And yeah, it's hard to poke holes in Brandon Cooks for sure. This one's controversial, man. I- I'm having trouble with. The Miami pass catching stuff. Jalen Waddell's underdog ADP is 32.7. Silva has him 49. There's just so many moving parts here. They've added so much. Tyreek Hill and Cedric mm-hmm. Wilson. You know, Chase Edmonds, I think, is a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. They added him as well. You have a lot of questions swirling around two. Jalen Waddell's ADOT was so low last year. He was just getting an incredible amount of volume. So I, I don't really have a strong take here on Jalen Waddle. I, I want to bet on talent with Jalen Waddle, but man, they have a lot of pieces now for Tua to support. What do you think about what's going on in Miami? When I initially set up the top 150, um, I thought that I would be ahead of consensus on Jalen Waddle, having him as a top 50 player, because I, I mean, I think he's really good. He was what the sixth pick in the draft. He, um, I think for the most part had a pretty promising rookie season coming off a pretty serious injury his final year in college, that, that ankle injury. Um, I thought that as the season progressed, he looked faster watching him play. And I think that a lot of offense is just going to run through him and Tyreek. Like it's going to be those guys up top and then everybody else. I know there's a ton of guys there, Chase Edmonds, you know, they franchise tag Jasicki. Um, but I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle up top in terms of the, um, the target distribution with Tyreek Hill holding a lead, but then Jalen Waddle, you know, surprisingly close potentially um, because it's a run after catch offense. And uh, I think that he fits right into that. You know, he was another dynamic playmaker in the return game in college. And I mean, he can make plays after the catch at an elite level. So I thought that I would be ahead of consensus but no, the, the community, I guess, the underdog community is, is even higher than, than me. So that was a surprise to me. Yeah. I, I mean, Jalen Waddle caught 104 balls as a Stone Cold rookie. Like, that's hard to do, man. Obviously, the dude can really, really, really play and get open and command targets. But not only do you have Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson, Jasicki back, Chase Edmonds, you also have, a, you know, a scheme change. And I think Jalen Waddle fits the scheme that Mike McDaniel wants to run. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be a smooth transition. So I think there's risk at the 32.7. Agree with Silva on being under there. Speaking of Miami stuff, uh, Silva is way ahead on Chase Edmonds. And I, I sent a tweet earlier this week with all of the Dolphins running backs and their salaries. I mean, Chase Edmonds, two years, 12.1 million is, is a solid deal for running back. The rest of the guys they have don't really have much money to them. Raheem Mostert, one year, 2.1. Gaskins on a seventh year rookie contract. I don't even know if Sonny Michelle is a lock to make the team. Ahmed obviously is not a lock to make the team either. I think it's going to be Chase Edmonds, but they do have a lot of guys to work through. And you're going to see this Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan type running back stuff. So you're way higher than consensus on Chase Edmonds, though. And what do you think about this backfield right now? Yeah, I don't know if we'll necessarily see the the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan running back rotation. Um, I do think that they'll use multiple guys, but I think that 
Chase Edmonds should be the clear lead back. He catches passes. These other guys are scrubs. I mean, I know yeah. that we have, you know, Raheem Mostert has had success at times in the past. Miles Gaskin has had success sometimes at times in the past. Salvin Ahmed has earned NFL playing time uh, as an undrafted player. Uh, Sony Michelle, you know, like has gone two super or won two Super Bowls, you know, but these guys are replacement level or worse. And I think that they think much more highly of Chase Edmonds. I think that he should be, you know, a 14 to 17 touch per game player. And again, he's really good in the receiving game. And so that that's why I'm, I, I like him as an RB2 this year. I, he's probably going to end up as a dead zone running back though, isn't he? Uh, yeah, uh, probably, but his pass catching profile might make him an exception. I do think we've been talking this year and we'll do some more content on this for sure. But from talking to Jack and Leone initially, I think there's going to be more options we like in the running back dead zone than normal this year. Um, but that's a podcast topic for another day. Yep. Uh, this Kenneth Walker thing, man, the dynasty people, and you know, I'm not like super deep in the dynasty community, but they are furious over our Kenneth Walker ranking in Dynasty. I, I think, you know, part of this comes well, down to... Well, there are you- two Dynasty communities, though. Okay, what, what are the two Dynasty communities? Well, one of the Dynasty communities is like the circle that, you know, Leone runs in. Uh-huh. And then one is like the Boomer Dynasty right. community. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So and- they're they're clashing, and Kenneth Walker is just in the middle of it. <laughs> no, well, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to... Go ahead. No, that's a good point for sure. Because a lot of these like boomer, more boomer type things are going to be more running back heavy and you build your team through running back. I think it's absolutely insane to build a dynasty team through running back, given career arcs, given replaceability, given how long careers last. But that's, a you know, I, I, that's whatever. Redraft we're talking about here. We don't expect Chris Carson to be out there. I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, Chris Carson, unfortunately, has this neck issue. Uh, I'd be a little bit surprised if he's able to come back and have a big impact. They do still have Rashad Penny. And I think that Seattle is going to try to run the ball at like a league high rate. Like maybe the Ravens will try to run the ball more, but like the Seattle's going to try. Can you though actually run the ball at that rate? The other issue with Kenneth Walker is that he was not really a pass catcher in college. And maybe we think that changes in the NFL. But anyways, I mean, he's Kenneth Walker is going 89th on underdog. Silva's first one had him 51st overall. I'd also note Silva that you're higher on Rashad Penny mm-hmm. than the market by a pretty decent amount to here. Talk about to me about the Seattle backfield. Well, I think to begin, and we have Tyler Lockett on here too, um, and Leonie and I have already talked about this, that I I think I came out too hot on the Seahawks offense in general. It's not because I like the Seahawks offense in general. It's because I kind of like some of these individual players. I mean, agreed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They have good skill players. It's it's Pete Carroll and Drew Lockett is the problem. Yeah. I know. So I, I think that there's going to be like a, like a kind of a sweeping move where each guy drops 10 spots in, initially, um, you know, when I, when I do my first edit. Uh, but I, who's to say that Rashad Penny doesn't beat out Kenneth Walker? Was anybody – I mean, Rashad Penny won us a lot of money yeah. last year because he was averaging like seven yards per carry in the back half of the season. Is Pete Carroll stuck on draft capital – to determine who's going to get the playing time? No, I would say to a less extent than almost any coach in the NFL, like he's going to let it be an actual competition. There's a very real possibility that they just use both guys and, you know, mix in DJ Dallas or Travis Homer or whomever, you know, in in the passing situations. Um, So, you know, I, 
I, I need to move Kenneth Walker down. Like that, that's, that's very clear that I guess that there was a, a boomer brain fart there on, on my part, because I, you know, because I, I, I'd largely subscribe, you know, I, I agree with Leone on Kenneth Walker from a dynasty perspective. Um, but, you know, I do still have these boomer mess ups every once in a while, every once in a while. And I think that that's what happened here, but I, I do like being ahead of consensus on Rashad Penny because I think that too many people are writing him off. Yeah. After how well he played in the second half of last year, I know he's dealt with a ton of injuries in the NFL. So many of them have been bad luck. But look, I remember him coming out of college. Like he was an exciting dude. Yeah. He's another guy who was killer in the return game in college. We see him last year. I mean, he was he was one of the best running backs in the league in the second half of the half of the season. And I don't think that that just vanishes just because the Seahawks drafted Kenneth Walker. Yeah. I mean, Rashad Penny, former first-round pick, too. And to Silva's point about Pete Carroll not caring not caring about draft capital or salary, I mean, you remember they signed Matt Flynn to some outrageously massive contract and didn't even play him because Russell Wilson beat him out in camp. Uh, the other Seahawks thing I want to talk to you about, it's, you know, we've often had Metcalf and Lockett close in the rankings. We've often had Metcalf and Lockett close in projections for weekly for, for DFS. This is the first year there's been a huge gap. And let me pull up the gap here, actually. Lockett's ADP is currently 84.7. DK Metcalf's is 39.6. Silva, you also have DK Metcalf 29 spots ahead of Tyler Lockett. I mean, I get it. Lockett's older. Lockett's smaller. He's getting absolutely wrecked in the PSM by DK Metcalf. But historically, they've been much closer. So why the gap now? between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Russ. I mean, it's all about Russ. You know, it's uh, the the, chemist, the level of chemistry that Russ and Lockett had. You, you, you speculated to do the Bible narrative, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and the uh, the virginity uh, narrative and all that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's losing Russ. I mean, look, I love Tyler Lockett, and it showed up here in me ranking him uh, too high. But um, – you know, losing Russ is 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 the cause. It, it, it now it becomes a bet on the talent. And look, I'm not going to say that Tyler Lockett doesn't have great talent. He he does, but for a quarterback like Drew Locke or Geno Smith, I think the DK, DK Metcalf is largely going to establish himself as the guy. And Tyler Lockett's another guy. He's 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 aging at this point, so yeah. he's he's moving down. Also, uh, remember, I speculated last year that the reason DK Metcalf was not getting targets was because of the foursome fallout. Drew Locke strikes me as a guy who would be uh, into foursomes, not uh, uh, rejecting foursomes. Unlike Russ. So, yeah. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So, you know, the Chiefs stuff is always tricky because you want to be high on the Chiefs. Obviously, the offense has one of, if not the highest ceiling in the entire league. But guys like Nicole, guys like CEH have underperformed despite mm-hmm. opportunity in this Chiefs offense before, and I think that's reflecting ADP. I still think this ADP is crazy low on CEH, 87th mm-hmm. overall. Silva, you have him 52nd. They did add Ronald Jones. I think Jerick McKinnon is still a free agent. Not sure if they're going to bring him back. Derek Gore is in the mix, but still, I, I think Ronald Jones and Derek Gore would be like base stuff or maybe even just short yardage stuff, whereas CEH has a chance at least to be the more valuable, the featured guy. What do you think about CEH and how he fares now with, I mean – they got to start getting more out of them. Yeah, this um, this was a tough one for me because I just kept looking at the Chiefs depth chart and I'm like, there's nothing here. You know, yeah. there's nothing here. They haven't brought back McKinnon. You know, they haven't even brought back Daryl Williams. Damian Williams is long gone. And it's just Ronald Jones. And we know that Ronald Jones, you know, he has a level of talent as a, like in, as a rusher. 
but he's poor in like pretty much every other aspect of the game. Um, I do think he's going to be involved, but man, this depth chart is shaking out really nicely right now for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We've been skeptical of Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the last couple of years because look, man, he's a small guy who runs four six and they have not shockingly really uh, been aggressively involving him in the passing game. Right. But I think that now might be the time to pivot back and be above consensus on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because of how little competition he has. And also, you know, they've lost some uh, receiving pieces. Could this be the year that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire takes off as as a pass catcher? I mean, I I think his underdog ADP is way too low, like irresponsibly low. And I I, I like where where we have him. I have him, I think, what, 52? Yeah. Amari Cooper is now a Brown Underdog ADP, 41st overall. Some has him 59th. I think part of this is like, how long do you think Deshaun Watson will be suspended for if you think mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson will be suspended at all? The backup, I, I think the backup is going to be Jacoby Brissett. I don't think Baker is coming back like under any circumstance. So I think the backup will be Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, Jacoby Brissett's like, uh, I think a fine NFL backup. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. This offense has been so bad. It, there's so many moving parts with Deshaun Watson coming in. Jarvis Landry gone, Amari Cooper in. So what do you think about our friend Amari? Yeah, well, you know, I, I've loved Amari over the years, and he did not have a very good season last year. I think the Browns got him on a steal, though. And whenever Deshaun Watson begins to play, then I think that, you know, that could that could really take off. But he's just, like, almost impossible to rank right now. I think that we need more information. Um that's like all I got. I mean, we, yeah. we need more information. We need to know if, if Deshaun Watson's going to look, if it's just going to, if Deshaun Watson's eligible to play, play week one, like I'm going to put Amari Cooper, like in the freaking third, fourth round, you know, right Right now it's just totally in limbo. Yep. Totally in limbo. And this Deshaun Watson thing has been in limbo for so long. It seems mm-hmm. like a, like a year now. Um, okay. Two more here. Uh, Chase Claypool. So I was worried about, I was scared by the way Chase Claypool was used last year. Like there were games he only played like 50% of the snaps despite being completely healthy, which was like completely insane. They also didn't show a huge impetus to use him in the slot. Now, will that change this year? There's a lot of speculation from B writers that Claypool will play more in the slot, but after George Pickens, they drafted Calvin Austin. Chase Claypool didn't, like I said, didn't have a very good year at all last year and was like outright benched at times for total dust balls ADP is around 107 which is very late for someone of Chase Claypool's talent mm-hmm. caliber so you initial had him 69 mm-hmm. what do you think about Claypool well and I also think that the, the arrow could be pointing down on Deontay Johnson who was you know his volume has been such a product of Ben Roethlisberger just dropping back getting the ball out quickly so he doesn't get hit because he knew he couldn't you know he had lost like all semblance of mobility and he was going to get smashed every time. This is sitting duck. Uh, if um, you know, if he if he didn't do that, if he didn't play in that manner, and so I think that the arrow could point down a little bit on Deontay Johnson. You have Juju Smith Schuster gone. You know, I George Pickens. You know, a second round pick. I think that that was, it was a very good pick by the Steelers. I don't know exactly. You know, we haven't seen George Pickens really do much. He played twelve college games over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Calvin Austin really doesn't scare me. Um, you know, I think that Chase Claypool has the talent to emerge as the clear number one for the Steelers. 
And therefore, I'm willing to take a shot on his upside in the top 70. Yeah. I mean, the gap here, I think, is too wide. So the ADP on Deontay Johnson right now is 35th overall. As I said, Claypool, 107th overall. I mean, that's an absolutely massive yeah, but gap. People are drafting like like in fear right right now, I mean, or at least regarding Chase Claypool. Like, yeah. They're not thinking about the ceiling potential. Yeah. And, I mean, we've seen Chase Claypool be used as like a rusher around the goal line on like jet sweeps and stuff like that. Like, he's very clearly a playmaker. I think the team knows that. I think they were disappointed – in some of what went on last year. But yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of time to get it right. And we'll see on Pickens and Austin. You know, those are certainly question marks. Last one is the Cortland Sutton thing. And before I talk about Cortland Sutton, I just wanted to mention, uh, we are obviously monitoring this Jerry Judy thing. We have not docked him at all in the projections or rankings because Jerry Judy, uh, the cops said he did not uh, place his hands on the uh, mother of his daughter, uh, did not damage any of her property. And so it, it seems to me like this is something that uh, will blow over on Jerry Judy, but we're certainly monitoring it. Anyways, Corlin Sutton ADP is 54th overall. Sylvia, you have him at 78th. By the way, Jerry Judy ADP is 45th. Sylvia, you have him 56th. I sent a tweet that I was, I, I, you know, Jerry, you can make a lot of excuses or rationalize a lot of what happened to Jerry Judy last year. I do want to be high on him. But anyways, what do you think about Judy versus Sutton? Anything else on these Broncos? Um. I think that Judy versus Sutton, they're just going to work against each other. They've still got Tim Patrick there. Mm-hmm. Albert O, I think, is going to have, you know, a, a, a leap year. Um, Greg Dulcich, they drafted in the third round. Um, there's just a lot of guys there, and it's kind of tough to sort. So some guys are going to get ranked a little bit low, you know, lower than consensus, a high, higher than consensus. Um, how much are they going to run the ball with uh, Russ? You know, look. I love to see Russ cook, you know, I, I love to see that, but throughout Russell Wilson's career and like even guys like around the league, they, they, no one has ever really envisioned that people in the league, no one has ever really envisioned Russell Wilson as a high volume, you know, extreme volume uh, passer. Mm-hmm. And so is that all of a sudden going to change in Denver? I think to some extent, I think that they'll be willing to be aggressive with Russell Wilson, it's so much talent in the passing game. They got a good pass protecting offensive line, and they should do that. They also have two pretty darn good backs. You know that yeah. I mean, Javante Williams is an uh, an absolute stud, and they brought back Melvin Gordon, who hey, they got him back for cheap, but like he had a really good season last year, all things considered. So, sorting out this offense is kind of difficult, and um, I, I just I wasn't willing to be as bullish on Cortland Sutton here. Um, I, I don't think I'm really bullish on any of, of the de- of yeah. the Denver skill position players because because it's kind of difficult to sort out right now. I mean, I don't know if you know. Sometimes we like, all right, well, we need to take a stand on this guy. I don't know if we need to take a stand on any of these guys. I think they they could all have good seasons and not great seasons. I mean, not only the guys you mentioned, but KJ Hamler is supposedly healthy. Back, that's right, and, and back. And Greg Dolchich, by the way, is not a blocker at all. Like he's strict route runner at this point in his career from what I've read. And so, you know, that could eat into some targets there as well. It's just, there's a lot of targets for Russ to support. And I think they're going to try to run the ball. Like you said, they have two really good backs. So yeah, it's a lot to support. I, I think that um, from a talent perspective, I prefer Judy to Sutton and that's why I would have Judy ahead, but you know, there's going to be a lot of volatility here, I think for sure. All right. That is going to do it for this first look at the premier Silva top 150. 
of the season. If you have not picked up the draft kit yet, head to the site to do so. Pick up your underdog credit as well if you get the draft kit pro. Four. Evan. Four. Producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.